What's up and welcome to the second episode of the 2021-2022 Roden Fellow Podcast. I am your host, Kayla Sweezy, a senior multimedia journalism major from Morgan State University. Today I am joined with Calvin Sykes out of Florida A&M University. What's up? What's up, everybody? He is serving as the mastermind and producer of this episode, as well as Alexis Davis from North Carolina A&T. Hey, hey, everyone. It's that time of year. Back to school we go. From group walks to the cafeteria to hanging with my teammates as a member of the Morgan State University softball team. I missed everything about my HBCU, the band performances, games, and homecoming. When we get back on campus, there will be new norms and traditions created. As you know, the pandemic has caused everyone to adjust their daily routine due to health protocols. Despite the pandemic, students will be allowed to make their way back to the campuses this fall. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Florida has been one of the hotspots for the coronavirus. The state of Florida has recorded an estimate of 3.1 million COVID cases and 42,722 deaths. Florida is home to four HBCUs that have all decided to participate in in in-person learning for the semester. With the recent rise of COVID numbers, we have our guest, Krishani Watson, a graduate of FAMU, biologist scientist for the Florida Department of Health in Duval County, to speak upon HBCUs reopening in the fall. Hi, Krishani. We're really excited to have you here with us and to answer some of our questions. Hi, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to get into this discussion with you all. So we have our first question for you. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has threatened the public school leaders' salaries if they require students to wear masks during school. School officials are defying governor's ban on mask mandates in school. This is as 11,000 students and another 100 employees have tested positive in the state. Do you think this type of outbreak can happen on HBCU campuses? I think this is a great topic for us to um, start with. Um, In Florida, we're seeing a spread in many different counties, like you mentioned. Um, Hillsborough County is having outbreaks, Broward County, Palm Beach, everywhere, even in Tallahassee. I don't think HBCU campuses are omitted from the outbreaks. I think that outbreaks are have the potential to spread anywhere that there is a gathering of people, which would be in classrooms. We know HBCUs, that would be football games, that would be the set, that would be the calf. So anywhere where there's a group of people, um, people are coming from different parts of the state, that's potential for outbreaks. So I do believe that that has the potential to happen at an HBCU. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So there's definitely a risk there at the HBCU campuses as well as PWI campuses. So it's interesting to see how all that will play out. The next question for you, the Center for Disease and Control Prevention reports only 26.6% are fully vaccinated. What is the hesitancy for African-Americans to get the vaccine? I think the hesitancy with the vaccine, and it's not just COVID, it's, I think it's like a long, deep rabbit hole of just confusion and mistrust. And, you know, we have a lot of information. Thank God I work at the health department because honestly, if I didn't, I don't know what I would believe. There's so much information coming out. You hear this, you hear that, you know. So I think the problem comes from the mistrust. Um, there's people that are afraid of the side effects that may occur when they get the vaccine. People are unsure of the long-term effects. They're not comfortable with, you know, as they call themselves being the guinea pig of the vaccines. You know, we don't know how the vaccine is going to play out is what we're here. You also hear that it's not FDA approved. Um, you're also here that their lack of, I think the main problem is their 
not confident in the effectiveness of the vaccine. You know, we hear different things. Oh, you have the vaccine and we'll have to wear a mask. And then you hear you do have to wear a mask. And then I think it's a lot of information for everyone. So that's where the lack of confidence comes in. So I have a question for you going off of what you just said. Do you, what's your take on the distrust, I would say, with the Black community community and the vaccine? I think that a lot of people are kind of encouraging Black people to get the vaccine and that it can protect our communities, but also there is distrust because of the past. What do you personally think about that? Do you think it's kind of time to get over that and start to get vaccinated and help our communities? What do you think? In my personal opinion, as someone who has played both sides, when the vaccine first came out, the health department was one of the first people to be have available access to the health to the vaccine. And I was not, <laughs> I was not going to take the vaccine. I was like, this is new. There's not enough research, there's not enough data. And I was that person in the, my community that was afraid of the vaccine, didn't have trust in it. But I think we need to give people a little bit of leeway to learn on their own. And I think people also need to take initiative to learn. I think people are kind of set in stone with knowing they don't trust it and they're not open to learning more about it. And I think that's the problem. I don't think the problem is that there's mistrust because I under it's understood why it would be mistrusted. But take the initiative to try to understand why the vaccine is effective because it does work and the numbers do show the numbers don't lie. I've been around some people who are vaccinated and they've been exposed plenty of times. And I mean, hey, I can only think of the vaccine would be the only variable as to why they're not getting sick, you know, versus someone who is exposed to someone that has COVID and is getting sick. The only difference between the two individuals is the vaccine. So that's how I built my trust is just observing those who have vaccines and those who don't. Mm -hmm. So if death tolls in the African-American community rise dramatically, do you think that will eliminate any more debates about mandatory vaccines and mass mandates? I believe so. I think, I don't know. I think the facts are there. They're present. Even on social media, we're constantly, people are saying, this person has the vaccine, but they're testing positive. It's like, we keep explaining, you know, the vaccine doesn't make you invincible to the to COVID, but it does lessen your symptoms. I think even with the receipts and we see people maybe dying in our community, I think, the problem is we're very stuck in our ways. You know, it doesn't matter how many numbers you throw at us, doesn't matter how many people, you know, we're still gonna be stuck in our ways unless we educate ourselves on the vaccine. So I don't think the numbers play a factor necessarily. I think it's the education. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've seen a lot of things going around on social media of people who are either hospitalized or on their deathbed talking about, oh, I wish I would have got the vaccine. And I just think that goes to show how stuck in their ways people really can be. And it is concerning and it could lead to death. So yeah, it is definitely interesting to see. And now that Pfizer has been accepted by the FDA, do you think this helps with vaccinations? I hope so. I think so. If we had to put a pie chart, I think bulk of the pie chart would say they weren't getting the vaccine because it wasn't FDA approved. Okay, now it's FDA approved they should be getting the vaccine. That's just the bulk of the pie chart. Granted, we'll never hit every single person that's so happy to get the vaccine, but I think the FDA approval takes a big chunk of people who are afraid to get it. I think that provided some type of comfort to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely see that from both sides. It's interesting because I think there will be a percentage of people who find comfort in that. And then like we previously said, there's going to be those people who said no from the jump. And I don't even think the FDA approving it will change their mind. I don't think so. Either. 
So as an alum of FAMU, do you agree with the school reopening? If so, why or why not? Mm-hmm. So my role at the health department, um, I recently... I've been working with schools, but I recently got promoted to the lead of Duval County Public Schools. So I do investigations inside the classrooms in the public schools at the elementary level, the middle school level, and the high school level. And I, like I said, I've done it last year. Last year was completely different. Um, for example, um, this week, I think we've hit a thousand cases since school started. It took us until December last year to reach a thousand cases in the school. So that just goes to show how many people are testing positive in the school, how fast the Delta variant is spreading. So if you ask me last year, I would be more than glad to open up schools, you know, but looking at it now, I don't think face-to-face learning is the best option or the safest option, especially with everyone going back to campus. Granted last year, you know, half was in school, half was in online. It was a bit, feasible but with everyone back on campus I just really don't think that's the safest option for HBC or anyone yeah I think that's a good point it's I just think it's too many people in not a big enough space or despite how big the space is it's just too many people to keep track of honestly yeah it's not (laughs) looking too good for the reopening right now Yeah, I would even say, I know Calvin talks a lot about Set Friday, and I actually went to FAMU my freshman year, um, so I've been able to experience Set Friday as well. Um, When Mm -hmm. I took my initial high school visit to Set Friday, um, when I visited FAMU for the first time, it was during Set Fridays. I definitely will say as a young 17-year-old, that was definitely one of the things that sold me. So, like, what do you feel like are some ways that students can still enjoy activities like Set Friday, like the day party, like Mimosa Sunday, all the things that we like to indulge in. How can we still have fun, but still remember safety should be our number one priority? Oh, can you imagine social distancing on the set? Yeah, and it's just like what, it's like part of it is the close knit, the close, you know, we're together, but it's just like, this is not ideal for a pandemic. But at the same time, I feel like people, sadly, they're not going to stop. So at this point, it's more so how can we still do this, but be safe? Right. I think, I don't think it's impossible. I think it's something that we can be done, that can be done. Um, definitely mask, 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 mask. There's a bunch of reasons, da, 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 mask. You have to wear a mask. Granted, a mask doesn't work if you're face-to-face with every single person that you see on the set. It's not going to work. But um, I think Set Friday can work if there's just more mandates. I mean, more social distancing, you know, more guidance on the floors, telling people, okay, stand in this, maybe markers on the floor. Okay, this is six feet from this. There has to be some type of regulation going on. It can't just be, oh, we're having Set Friday. It has to be we're having Set Friday shorten the time that will shorten the, shorten the exposure for everyone. No six hours set Friday. Okay, we're gonna have set Friday, but it's gonna be for two hours or it's, we're gonna be for an hour or some type of system. It can work, but it has to be, effort has to be put forth. <laughs> Yeah, I would also even ask, because I know here at ANC we have a student center and that's a big hub 
for a lot of students, especially because it is fairly new, fairly renovated. Everyone wants to hang out. And it's definitely a good chance to go somewhere outside of the, you know, four walls of your dorm. Mm -hmm. So like, what would you say are maybe some things people can do to stay safe and indoor too? Because I think sometimes people just feel like I'm here, I'm out. Like, what can they really do? Because with our student center, it is spaced out. But when things are spaced out, but then you still have so many people because A&T is the biggest HBCU. So you still have all these people. And then also they kind of given us the liberty to here. We trust you guys put the mask on. But there's really no one walking around saying, hey, pull it over your nose or, hey, can you do this? They're kind of giving us the liberty because they feel like we're adults. But at the same time, I do feel like we're at that age where we need some reinforcement. So what, so I guess to, to ask a real question out of all of that, what would you say are some ways that um, universities can maybe give students, you know, liberty to still make the right decision, but also still put their foot down when need be? Mm-hmm. I definitely agree that you all should be treated as adults because you are as such. Um, I do, I was thinking about this earlier. The CDC recommendation talks about how if you're in your household, like people don't wear masks inside of their house. That's their household. That's who they're around. I feel like that should kind of be the same concept at school. If you have a group of friends that you're always around, you know, maybe you and your group of friends can go to that student center together. Or, you know, if you're hanging around a certain group, you know, that's just your group. It limits the exposure. If one person gets sick and it's three of your friends, it's just the three of you guys getting sick. Granted, I know you want to go out and meet this person. Oh, I met this person on the bus. I met this person in the cafe. It sounds great. But if we could just travel in groups together and keep, you know, not large gatherings, that would be great. And that could be anywhere. You know, I would hate to be a college student and sit in my dorm all day. If you and your friends want to go to the park, the five, six of y'all, go hang out to the park, go to the cafe, but try to keep that family composure where you're not you know, if you were to do contact tracing, say you tested positive, you wouldn't have to say, oh, I met someone at the calf. Oh, and I met someone at the bus. And I, you know, that's just thinking how many people- A lot to keep up with. Exactly. And versus saying, oh, I just hang out with me and my two friends, you know, we live together. This is who I hang out with. It lessens the exposure. So I think you can do, still do fun things to give you an answer, a real answer. I think you can still do things, but keep that family setting. Don't be spreading it around everywhere, you know? I will also say another two-part question for you. So I know a big part of HBCU culture is our sports. And especially with um, A&T and now that I've stepped into the new position of being the lead sports reporter for my newspaper, for our school newspaper, um, what is your perspective on um, the sports? Like us playing different teams, um, you know, having full competitive meetings. Um, How do you feel about the actual athletic meetings and then also um fans inside of the stands so the health department that's what i work for that's what i represent the health department doesn't shun sporting events you know we do abide by the cdc guidelines the cdc guidelines says that sporting events can occur but there's a a bunch of factors that come into play that could be the number of cases in the community that can be um is that is the event indoor outdoor um will people be moving around will there be you know, depends on the event. I think that the sporting events can still happen, but you have to take into account what's going on in the community. You know, if your positivity rate in your community is over 20% and you have a mass percent of the community testing positive, you wouldn't want to bring them together at a sporting event. So I think it's not just about, oh, I want to go to a football game. Let's have football season. I think you have to take into account 
what's going on around you, what's going on in the school, are there cases in the school, how many, how many students are quarantining, how many close contacts do you have? So I'm not saying, oh, cancel everything, sit inside, have no sporting events, but just take into account of your surroundings, what's going on. But yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Like there's a way, I feel like we will never get back to what normal really was. Just like how you can even take the national event of 9-11. Nothing really went back after that. There was just more um, measures put in place, Homeland Security, TSA, extra checks, things like that. So, you know, we got back to being able to fly. We just never flew the same way. So I think if we um, attach that same mindset to trying to conquer COVID, I think we would get much more tangible results. I definitely think that's a great example. Like you said, you can still fly. You can still go to the game, but you're not going to go. Don't think you're going to go to the game and have no mask and be jumping around. Right, just outside. (laughs) Go to the game, do a little cheering. Uh You don't have to do all the extra stuff. Yeah, and I have just one final question for you. What would be your advice? Hopefully this doesn't happen to any of us or to anyone on campus, but if we kind of find out that, okay, someone in our class or someone we room with or something tested positive rather than just having like sheer panic what would be like a proper kind of precautions to take to make sure we're healthy and we're also looking out for others around us Mm -hmm. one big thing we're having a big 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 problem with are people going to get tested you know they may have symptoms oh you know i'm feeling like i'm having allergies let me go get tested they get tested and they go to class, they go to the calf, they go to the football game and they're waiting for their results. And then when the results come back, they were positive. So I think one thing, you're feeling like you're not feeling well, you're not staying feeling like yourself, you isolate. You go and get tested, you receive your results. You know, don't wait for your results in public. That's step number one. Step number two, you get your results. Okay, I'm positive, I'm isolating. Let me notify everyone I've been around in the last 48 hours. You're infectious for 48 hours prior to when your symptoms begin. So you quarant- you let everyone know who you're around so they can quarantine and protect who they were around. And just don't panic. You know, you quarantine. If they feel symptoms, they go and get tested. But the most important part is to let everyone know that you tested positive so we can cut transmission. Well, perfect. Thank you for all the advice. That was really informative. And especially with COVID and everything, we can all apply this on our campuses. So thank you so much for helping us out and giving us some more information. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. So as the old saying tells us, you can't control the cards you're dealt, just how you play the hand. This school year will look a lot different than the past, but this, but with change comes new opportunities. One thing I know that won't change is the band's halftime performance. The band and music is the heart and soul of HBCUs. They bring the energy to games and campuses. So today, I'm going to give you the Roden Fellows' top five songs for the yard. These will be the songs that were released this year that I and the other Roden Fellows believe will be the hype songs for the upcoming school year. 95 South by J. Cole, Avalanche by Migos, Time Today by Moneybag Yo, Wants and Needs by Drake featuring Lil Baby, Every Chance I Get by DJ Khaled featuring Lil Baby and Lil Durk. The band and the music is a part of the HBCU experience, but another key thing in the HBCU experience is the fashion that you see at events. I am with Alexis Davis, the most swagged out student at North Carolina A&T University, to talk about fashion trends and what the first day of school outfits should be. 
it's so funny. They give me so credit, so much credit with the fellows, but I really just wear <laughs> what I like to wear. But I would definitely say that like just by walking around A&T, like I really just, I'm like, did I enroll in Dripper Drown University? Like it's just been crazy. These outfits. Um, I love that everybody has really been expressing themselves from their outfits, from the hats to the shoes, to the sock, to the, you know, the simple gold accessories to everything. It's just really been a lot. So honestly, you know, going to class has been one half of it, but the other half of it has really just been seeing um, the outfits from everybody. So first, just to give you all a couple of trends, I know some of you all might not be on HBCU campuses and might not really understand what we're saying, but what we're going to do is we're going to go through a list of different trends and we're going to talk about what they are, if we would wear them or not, and how we've been seeing them styled. So first, I've been seeing a lot of Yeezy Frome Runners. So in my opinion, they are really almost in a way luxury Crocs. Um, and it's so funny because originally when Kanye West first put them out, everyone was saying they were so ugly, they didn't want them. But now I feel like because of the pandemic, um, we have really began to value um, comfortability over luxury. And so since these shoes are very comfortable and all the HBCUs are known to be very hilly, um, I feel like it's really easy to slide on those Crocs, slide on those foam, foam runners and still be pretty fashionable. Um, so yeah, so Calvin, Kayla, are we copying? Are we dropping? Are we leaving them on the stands? What are we doing? I, I'm copying. They're great shoes to go on when you're just trying to get to your class, but still look, feel comfortable, but look, Real nice with your drip, as the young folks say. Okay, Calvin's buying. Kayla, what are you doing? Are you leaving them on the shelf? Are they going in the shopping bag? Are we adding to cart? What are we doing, Kayla? I would definitely add them to my cart. At first, I like you said, I was like, what is that? Those are not cute. But seeing people on my campus wear them and pull them off and wearing fits with them, I definitely think there's a lot of inspiration for those shoes. So I've been doing a little bit of research to see how much they would cost you on resale. So I'm going to have Calvin guess. How much do you think a resold pair of foam runners is going to run you? Um, I, I mean, they're Yeezys. Um, they're associated with Yeezys. So I'll probably give a give a take probably around a thousand to maybe twenty five hundred. Okay, so Calvin clearly has the most money in the group because they are nowhere near that much. They are only actually 440. And I don't know why I'm saying only because that's still a bit ridiculous for a relaxed shoe. But yeah, they're 440. But apparently HBC students are up right now because everybody has them. Um, so moving on to our second one, um, I would say schoolgirl skirts have really been in. I'm not really sure where the trend has really came from. Usually the girls save the schoolgirl type style skirts on, you know, for grad photo shoots and things of that nature. But I've been seeing them paired with graphic tees. I've been seeing them paired with different university sweatshirts with a nice collar underneath, even with the socks with the lace. I've really seen them styled a lot of different ways. So I guess we can leave Calvin out of this one, but Kayla, are you wearing your schoolgirl skirt to class or are you saving that for the big day in May? Um, I am going to have to pass for class. I think I will just wear shorts and t-shirt to class and choose to be comfortable. But I think in May, especially when it's time for grad picks, I will definitely have a cute schoolgirl skirt, maybe with the colors orange and blue for Morgan and a cute collar and a sweatshirt. I think that is a good look and very simple for your grad picks. 
Yeah, I'm definitely on Team Kayla with this one. I'm definitely not wearing my schoolgirl skirt. You know, you may or may not catch me in one in May. I do think by the time we graduate, it might be a little, you know, out of date. I do pride myself in being classic and not trendy. So we'll see, you know, how that goes. So next around campus, you all have been really wearing the Nike Dunks. So sometimes they're just dunks or sometimes they are the SB official dunks. I've been seeing them all over the place. Throughout the summertime, Nike has released a whole lot of colorways, whether that be the red and gray ones that are shout out to University of Las Vegas, or even they have the Ben and Jerry's, which are very crazy. They almost look like a cow mixed with just a rainbow explosion. They really go crazy. And also Nike did something really nice. And when they first put out the Ben and Jerry's um, dunks, they put out a friends and family pack. So everybody who's closely associated to Nike, they got the friends and family pack. And it actually came in, instead of a regular shoebox, it came in a full size ice cream carton and they named the ice cream actually Chunky Dunky. So I think that was very um innovative i really want to know who was behind that because like how did you even think of something like that um i would also say the travis scott dunks have been popular they're kind of like a mix of different tribal prints and also bandana prints um so those have been interesting to see how a lot of guys and girls actually you know they're stepping it up in the sneaker game too to see how they have really put that on so as far as low cut nike dunks what are we doing calvin I'm definitely copping. I'm in Florida. It's hot. So you throw in a nice graphic tee, some little shorts, show your legs, some high-rise socks, you know, with some little graphics on them. That's a nice fit for a set Friday, as we talked about earlier. Okay, Calvin's going to, he left out the mask that he's going to be wearing at set Friday, too, not just the dunks. Oh, yeah, trust Yeah, mask always on deck, N95. Mask on, mask on. Kayla, are we, are we getting the low-cut dunks? What's going on? I think if someone could style me, then absolutely. But I'm not into shoes like that. So I don't think it would really, I could not pull off that outfit. So if anyone would want to style me and get me some shoes and maybe a cute graphic team, maybe Calvin could help me with shorts. I don't know, especially a mask, but I would have to look into that further. It's okay, Kayla. We got you. Me and Calvin, free 99. We got you. Styling services on deck. So lastly, actually, you know, we're going to do two. So second to last, I would say graphic tees. Calvin pointed them out a little bit and Kayla pointed them out too. Graphic tees are really timeless and they really they really set off a message without somebody really getting to know you. Um, whether a lot of graphic tees have a lot of musical artists. So based on the graphic tee that you're wearing, I can usually tell what kind of music you're into or some people just wear them for style. I know rock band tees are really in and I don't listen to any type of rock. So, but I will say guilty for wearing one because I definitely am not into it. I'm just more for the look. Um, also different sayings. So, you know, maybe it might be a pop culture line or maybe a line from your favorite TV show. I will say graphic tees have um, a language of their own and really speak for you before you can. So last but not least, um, I'm going to mention tail far bags. So since they come in so many different sizes, um, they really do make the, the go-to um, the go-to school bag. Your laptop fits in there, your iPad, your planner. If you're like me, you have two planners, two phones. Um, it really fits everything in there. So I really would definitely say I keep my life in my tail bar. Um, they come in a wide range from red all the way to purple. They also have a lot of neutral tones, olives, tan. I actually, you know, usually a lot of people go to my Instagram and they see that I'm so colorful. But when it came to buying my tail bar, I decided to go the tan route and I just got a basic one that I can wear to class and it'll fit all my outfits Monday to Friday. And Kayla, 
Are you getting a Telfar? But knowing you, you probably already have multiple. So let's hear it. Telfar, yay, nay. We already copped it. What's going on? Yes. So I was tired of waiting around and seeing them all sold out. So last year I was able to get one through the security launch and I got the small black. I just thought it was a great place to start. Get a simple everyday bag. I just think my one thing I have to say about Telfar is that I need a size between the small and between the medium because the small is so many and the medium is so big. So I think I definitely will get a medium sized one because like you said, it would be great for class, even for work, put a laptop, but I would really prefer if they had like a medium small bag that could be used for everyday use because right now my mini just fits maybe a chapstick in my wallet, but I love it. It's so cute. And I definitely see why so many people have it. But yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I'm okay with my large one for now, but I am looking to get a small one just to kind of a nice crossbody that I can wear without having to be too handsy or too much. So a lot of these different trends and stuff, I do plan on wearing to HBC to a lot of HBCU games this semester. So we do have Calvin with HBCU Game of the Week. So let's hear a little bit. So it's only right to mention the biggest game of the start of the season, Deion Sanders, Jackson State Tigers, and Florida Nymphs. University, Willie Simmons, or better known on the Heights of Seven Hills, Wanish Way Willie. The highly anticipated matchup will feature both teams on a live broadcast on ESPN2 and take place on Sunday, September 3rd at the Hard Rock Calf Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. This game marks the return of FAMU football after a two-year hiatus. FAMU did not play in 2020 and spring of 2021. In 2019, FAMU had the Best record in the MIAC, and the Rattlers averaged 35.2 points in 2019, and that made them the second-highest-scoring offense in the MIAC. Now, Jackson State participated in the spring. The, the first two wins were against Edward Waters and the historic football program, Bramley State, following a pair of games with a win over Mississippi Valley State and loss against Alabama State. And the final games that JSU played in were losses to Southern and Jackson State. Um, now, this game will feature a total of nine SEC transfers, including um, two players who really should expect a lot of playing time this season. Now, it's Gady and Shylon Sanders, his actual son. Now, the last two times these teams met was in 2018, which it ended in an 18-16 win for Jackson State. And depending on who you ask, Jackson State really only won over mismanagement of the clock from FAMU. So now, historically speaking, JSU leads the series 10 wins to seven losses and two ties and has won the last two previous games in the two seasons. So I look forward to this game of HBCU Game of the Week. Thank you, Calvin. That was great. Of course, Calvin is our go-to HBCU football guy. So you guys will be hearing from him a lot more on these podcasts about what to look out for. Well, that's all for today. We're all back on our respective HBCU campuses, being safe, being responsible. We hope you are all doing the same. This show was produced by Calvin Sykes. I, Kayla Sweezy, have been your host with the help of Alexis Davis. Very big thank you to our special guest, Krishani Watson. Special thanks to Tarika Foster-Brasby and the ESPN Digital Audio Content team. Get all of your HBCU 468 podcasts by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Make sure to join us next time for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone.